KEXP and KEXP.org worldwide. Anderson E. sounding great here on the show. Nice work. Man, you start singing. Whoa! Here performing girlfriend, Anderson East. Two weeks ago, I heard our next guest on the radio and immediately called and said, get him on the show. I love him so much. Please welcome Anderson East. Uh, it's super exciting. A really, really special treat. The one, the only Anderson East. Here with the song All in My Mind, Anderson East. Playing in Nashville, I see you got a rhyming show coming up later on this year. It's got to be pretty uh, exciting for you. But what are some of your favorite uh, small rooms? My favorite's the basement, the, the OG basement. The original basement yeah. Yeah, that you can get about 25 people in there maybe. You, you could probably squeeze uh, 60. 60 people? Maybe. But I still, I think that's, uh, you know, that's where we kind of came up playing. Yeah, below and, Grimey's, right? Yeah. The record store. Yeah, underneath the record store. and I mean, our front of house engineer, we stole him because he was the guy that mixed all the bands we were in. And, and I hear that it's uh, going away. They're, what? They're, they're selling that building. What? Yeah. No! The record store and everything. You heard it here first. <laughs> Maybe not here first, right. but... Somewhere. Really? Yeah, it's hurtful. What, are they going to build a damn condo or something, probably? Sure. Or a barbecue joint or a yeah. hot chicken joint, just like you need another slice of uh, hot chicken. I know it, man. It's, uh, it's heartbreaking. Damn it. I wasn't expecting this kind of news today. <laughs> Sorry to break your heart. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to this supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air Podcast. It is the Weekly Dose for May 3rd, 2018. Yep, we are already into the fifth month of this year appreciate you guys finding the show sitting here in a burning up hot ass palatial studios and i'll tell you more about that in seconds every year i try to see how long i can go before i turn on the air conditioner i have made it as far as June before, believe it or not, I have made it to June 1st before I turn on the AC at my house. Now, there is a little bit of an asterisk there as I have two sections of my house. Uh, there's the downstairs portion that was built in uh, 1955, I think, roughly in the mid- somewhere in the mid-50s. Single level, one floor, um, typical design pattern for that time and it is got great insulation and it and it maintains a uh, a, a temperature very very well so if you can get it in these kind of gray areas uh just a little bit of cool air in there like from through a fan in the window or something in a cool night it'll hold that cool temperature until the morning and it won't heat up until later in the depths of the day and then you just cool it off again and i can i can make it all the way till almost june most years at least halfway through may unless things get very unseasonable i have a second uh a, a detached portion of the house that is over the garage it's not detached but it's it's not connected through it's you got to walk through the little kind of breezeway well this section is upstairs above the garage and it just has a window unit 
and that AC has to come on way earlier than downstairs AC is, and I've decided, and that's up here is where the studio is, and I have decided that I am not turning this damn AC on until at least I get back from Atlanta at the and the Shaking East Festival this weekend. So it is. It was like 82 today. <laughs> so when I got and I have the windows open and the fans going. And it'll cool off, and it's starting to cool off now as I record these podcasts very late the night before the morning that they're available. This one being available on the 3rd of May. These days, every Thursday is when you're looking for the podcast. So, yeah, I'm sitting here literally in boxer shorts and uh, a little tiny T-shirt, sipping on a, a, a gin and tonic here late night as I am. Uh, it's not so hot that it's, it's awful and unbearable. It's just a little annoying. Just a little annoying. So I'll turn on the window unit probably on Monday, and I'll try to keep that downstairs AC off until uh, as late as hopefully maybe can make it to June again. And this isn't about saving money or, you know, some kind of really super cheapskate kind of thing of saving five bucks on an electric bill. I just like to see how long I can go. I mean, the less things are running, the less chance they're going to break, and you save a couple of dollars in the process as well. So uh, I'll, I'll keep you updated week to week when the air conditioner officially gets turned on. So let's see, what do we got going on today? A long uh, show. Um, I'm not sure in in minutes wise how long it's going to go. I never know. I just just hit go and then ramble and then do some light editing at the end and then see what I get. And whatever I get is what I get. I I used to be concerned with those kinds of things. I'm not now nearly as much. I do want to throw this out there and if you would like to hit me up on any social media at stone on air you can send me an email uh stone on air at gmail uh, i'm very easy to get a hold of hell just shy of giving my cell phone away on the show which i i mean i don't have a problem with doing i won't do that right now but i'm curious as to your thoughts and your opinions on the length of podcasts because i'm beginning to really get into this podcast world and i love it i love it it is so great it's such a uh, a breath of fresh air of new different kinds of programming that you just don't get anywhere else i listened to one about uh, pti the, the the tony kornheiser uh, uh show that i was going on and on about the other week and it was about an hour and 40 minutes and it could have been four hours and 40 minutes and i would have listened to every bit of it and recently, I've been getting a handful of messages from people, acquaintances slash friends, and um, and then some that are just people who I know only know as listeners to either the radio station or the podcast. And every time, the same, I get the same opinion. I wish you would go two hours. Have you ever thought about going two or three hours? And when I first started doing this whole idea, going two or three hours, I thought was the dumbest most whacked out concept idea ever who's going to sit around and listen to this shit for two or three hours well apparently lots of people like that that's the trend right now in uh, in podcast production I, I, i'm never going to be able to go two or three hours because it's just too much work i'm a one-man band i don't have editors and and directors and and fact checkers and content uh creators and producers I don't have any of those things so I have to do it all myself and it's 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 a lot of work it's I like it I don't I don't mind doing it but it doesn't mean that I have enough time because that's the funny thing about time you always seem to run out of it it never it never lasts forever it always seems to expire so uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on that if you want to hit me up uh, let me know and if you don't then, then that's fine too Let's see. So in the first segment of the show, I'm going to have a four-segment show today, the rare four-segment show. In the open, I'm going to talk about the White House Correspondents' Dinner a little bit and Michelle Wolf. 
and some of this comedian stuff that's been going on, also kind of doubling down back to last week's show about this Abu Simpson's character, go back a year from Kathy Griffin's kind of thing that she did with the picture of the Trump head and all that. Kind of put all that together here in the first segment. In the second segment of the show, we'll revisit the Tim Boyd, Brett Lambert uh, feud. That election is over. Spoiler alert into the second segment, Tim Boyd did win. That'll be a shorter one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I'm going to explain a little bit why I did what I did and uh, some response that I got on social media because it went crazy the last couple days. At first, nobody responded to it at all because literally less than, well, it might have been a little over 2,000, maybe 2,500 votes for this uh, for this seat. And I meant to do the research to find out how many registered voters are in District 8. See, that's the kind of thing. I could do these kinds of shows if I had somebody to get that information for me. I just didn't get around to it, and I forgot. I'll get into that in the second segment. In the third segment of the show, it's going to be uh, a little on more of the personal level where I'm just going to kind of talk to you for a few minutes. But the main thought that got me thinking this, well, there's two or three rent ones, but one of them was the no regrets guy. You know, the no regrets types, the ones that say, oh, no, no, don't regret, never regret, never regret anything. Like, what the hell is the matter with you? What, what an awful way to approach life. But that's just a small portion of what I'm going to do in the third segment. And it's kind of what is this show about? Like, what is this podcast about? Why do I do this? Why did, why do I find it the need, the importance to do this? It's all going to kind of wrapped up into some uh, life stuff. Uh, I wouldn't call it heavy, but uh, it's real. It's certainly real. So we'll get to that in the third segment. And then in the fourth segment of the show, Anderson East, Atlantic recording artist, joined me at the studios of Alt 98.7 this past weekend. On a Saturday, we had eight or nine listeners in, seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that. And then several employees from the station and it was a live studio audience for the interview. And I already don't think I'm a very good interviewer. And the reason I think that is because I just haven't had a lot of experience with it in my life. I've done plenty of interviews, but not with any consistency. And uh, I'm my own worst critic. I think every podcast when I done when I get done with it, I'm like, oh, my God, that was suck. that sucks so bad. And I, then I usually realize, OK, it wasn't that bad. I, I, I'm pretty hard on myself a lot of the times. But I do think that I, I get done listening to an, an interview a lot of times that I do, and I just think, God damn it, why didn't I think about this? Or why didn't I think about that? Or why didn't this pop into my head when he said that? Um, but So I guess you can be the judge. At the end of the show, it, it will be that fourth segment will be with Anderson East. But when you have a room full of people, and I'm not one to get real nervous. I really don't, I really don't get nervous. I get anxious when I do anything like this, period. Like it, not necessarily this setting, but all here by myself with a net so I can edit and change things if I need to. But when I'm doing something where a bunch of eyes are on me, I don't necessarily get nervous, but I certainly get anxious. And it makes your brain flutter a little bit. And you, you're not as zeroed in. I'm not as locked in as if it was just me and him in a room. And I could stretch out a little bit more. So I don't know if it turned out great or not. Um, it was fine. I mean, it turned out fine. It's okay. But um, I, don't, I don't know that it turned out as well as I'd like. But you can be the judge of that coming up on the tail end of the show. So a lot of stuff going on with comedians recently. We, we are just in such an odd time. I mean, this whole world we're in right now since, you know, post-Trump election time has just been, just been bizarre. It's about the best way I can put it. Everybody's mad. Did a whole segment on that the other week. Um, everybody wants to be offended by everything. Everybody is fake outraged about everything. And, and, and But at the end of the day, two seconds later, two minutes later, the attention spans are so god-awful 
that it doesn't matter. Like you're going to forget about it by the end of the day or by the end of the week uh, uh, on some of these super petty things. And some things might be a little bit more important that people spend more time on. And, and sometimes there is real outrage and it's not made up, but I can go case by case basis. But right now we've all of a sudden kind of seem to have a lot of comedians under fire. Comedians, this is what they do. Roasts. Roasts are some of the funniest material I've ever heard. The, uh, the, the, the Comedy Central roasts are great. What was the, oh, the Friars Club roasts for years that were on Comedy Central and then other outlets? And then the White House Correspondents Dinner the other night. Uh, this, this girl named uh, Michelle Wolf. She is brilliant now. She is hilarious. Never heard of her before. I'm all of a sudden a super fan. But it's, it, there's a certain level of, of just absurdness that a handful of alt-right, crazy, conservative types are all kinds of fake outraged about what some just throwaway comedian, cable TV, Netflix comedian, came on and made fun of everybody. How, what the hell is going on here? From, coming from the, the corner of the political spectrum that's been making fun of people for two years... You know, Trump and the minions, the MAGA types, making fun of people left and right. All we're going to do is make fun of people. And from the primary candidates to journalists to, to, to news networks and everybody else, we're going to call people names. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to be mean. We're going to be jerks. And then the people who are now pretending to be on board with this because they have to because of all the, the fraudulent nature of their lives. I mean, it's just it's a monstrous shit show that's actually pretty funny in its own right. But now they're mad because a comedian came on and made fun of Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kellyanne Conway and 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 Trump himself and everything. What the hell? Where? What is going on here? How do people get up and tie their shoes in the morning? How do you brush your teeth and, and like get ready for work every day when your brain is so scrambled and it doesn't make any sense? This White House Correspondents Dinner, I've never paid a ton of attention to it, except for many years ago, Norm MacDonald was one of the, it's not a roast per se, but that's what it ends up being, and uh, Norm MacDonald roasted Bill Clinton, and it was freaking hilarious. Uh, a few years ago, one of the Key and Peel guys, I don't remember their names, but they're so funny, was on there with, uh, with, with President Obama, and I watched some of that. I mean, you know, I've always looked at it as just kind of this gag throwaway dinner elite types, media types. All just poking fun of each other and having a, you know, a, a dinner. You know, I never put a lot of thought into it. Well, so this past weekend, they bring this girl named Michelle Wolf to be, I guess, the lead, uh, the, the monologue, if you will, of the night. And I've never heard of this girl. She has been on uh, the Trevor Noah Daily Show, a correspondent, and just done a lot of different uh, stand-up. And I've never seen any of it. And apparently, she has a new Netflix show coming out. She's absolutely hysterical. So here is a clip from uh, just one of her stand-ups to get a kind of an idea of her approach. I don't want to have a baby or a family. I want a career. That's what I want. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, but Michelle, you don't have to choose. You can have it all. Women can have it all. Yeah, stop saying that. <laughs> you act like all is good. All does not mean good. You've never left an all-you-can-eat buffet and thought, I feel really good about myself. <laughs> That crab and pudding is sitting really well together. I sure am glad I went back for spare ribs. All is not good. 
good. And even if we do try to have it all, even if a woman out there definitely wants it all, we've put up too many obstacles in your way to make it possible. It's like, oh, congratulations, you're having a baby? Great, couple things. We're gonna need you to get that car accident of a body back to work as soon as possible because this is America and we don't think you need time to recover. Also, you should breastfeed. It's what's best for the baby. But don't do it in public, you pig. Do it in the old janitor's closet underneath the bridge with the rest of the breastfeeding trolls. And don't have to take time off from work when your kids are sick. We'll think you're not dedicated. Also, why are you such a bad mom? By the way, your salary is just enough to cover the cost of childcare. And we know you're exhausted. You don't really know who you are anymore. You're trying to balance your old life and your new life. But quick, go have sex with your husband. He's about to leave. He doesn't understand what you're going through quick go now and sweetie smile it's so perfect it's so freaking perfect it's so on the money i love it so much i am now all of a sudden a huge michelle wolf fan in just the last five or six days so she opens up the uh white house correspondence dinner and uh, this is how she opens the show it was about 20 minutes and uh, i'll give you uh, just a little clip of what it sounded like Good evening, good evening. Here we are, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Like a porn star says when she's about to have sex with a Trump, let's get this over with. And just a reminder to everyone, I'm here to make jokes. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to get anything accomplished. So everyone that's here from Congress, you should feel right at home. Now, before we get too far, a little bit about me. A lot of you might not know who I am. I'm 32 years old, which is an odd age, 10 years too young to host this event, and 20 years too old for Roy Moore. I know, he almost got elected. Yeah, it was fun, it was fun. And I know as much as some of you might want me to, it's 2018 and I'm a woman, so you cannot shut me up. Unless you have Michael Cohen wire me $130,000. Michael, you can find me on Venmo under my porn star name, Reince Priebus. Uh, it's great. It's great. It's great stuff. So you can see where this is going for the next, oh, I don't know, 17 or 18 minutes. And as uh, the, the time frame goes along, people start to get more and more uncomfortable. You start, They start panning shots over it, the people getting made fun of. And uh, it's just, you know, the disgusted-looking faces. I mean, I don't know what they were expecting when you bring in some random comedian that nobody's ever heard of who's just there to try, you know, and gets booked however it happens, I don't know, uh, through the White House Correspondents Association or something, just to get publicity for the new Netflix show and the new stand-up that's, uh, special that's coming out. And six days ago, nobody knew who Michelle Wolf was, and now everybody in the country has at least maybe almost heard of her. I mean, it's a pretty good move. If, if you can make it happen, good for you. So here's the joke that got everybody all pissed off. For some reason, making fun of people's appearance is all of a sudden now like this awful thing to do. Like you can make fun of all kinds of different things. Well, you can. It depends on who you ask. But it seems like for some reason, making fun of somebody's appearance is like, the worst thing like you might as well just come and kick them in the nuts like you you have done the worst thing possible you made fun of somebody's appearance and I get it it's her it's heartful you can't do anything about the way you look when I come into work and I look like shit and every now and again somebody will say man you look like hell and I'll just say dude this is what it looks this is what I look like when I woke up this morning there's nothing I can do about it so I I don't know if you're a child growing up I could see how that could be a case it could be a situation where, where that could be really hurtful and harmful to your 
uh, maturation and to your uh, you know development. But as a grown ass human adult, what the hell are you concerned about with what somebody thinks about what you look like? What 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 kind of dense, shallow loser individual is so concerned about what some random person says about what you look like? Call me whatever you want. What's the matter with everybody? So this is where it got everybody upset. The perception is she was making fun of Sarah Huckabee Sanders' looks. We are graced with Sarah's presence tonight. I have to say I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia and the Handmaid's Tale. Mike Pence, if you haven't seen it, you would love it. Every time Sarah steps up to the podium, I get excited because I'm not really sure what we're going to get. You know, a press briefing, a bunch of lies, or divided into softball teams. It's shirts and skins, and this time don't be such a little bitch, Jim Acosta. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like, she burns facts, and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Like, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. I mean, I just have to be honest with you. I don't even totally get all that. That's fine. Whatever. I don't have to. But so she was on with Terry Gross from Fresh Air and NPR on Monday. And it was a really good interview. And they were talking about why is it that because she made supposedly made fun of Sarah Huckabee Sanders looks, her appearance, that's some kind of major huge deal that needs to be that needs to be defended by so many people. But she rips into and makes fun of Mitch McConnell's looks blatantly and takes a stab at fat Chris Christie. Nobody came out and said, how dare you call, make a joke about Chris Christie being fat? I thought we were finally like equality is kind of turning into a thing or whatever. This is Michelle Wolf on with Terry Gross from NPR talking about whether she was making fun of Sarah Huckabee Sanders' looks. I mean, I think they should listen to the joke again because it's clearly not about her appearance. Yeah, I mean, if there was two people that I um, actually made fun of their looks on Saturday, it was Mitch McConnell and Chris Christie. (laughs) Um, And no one is jumping to their defense. Um, I made fun of Mitch McConnell's neck, and I did a small jab at Chris Christie's weight. Um, And no no one is jumping to their defense. So seriously, what is it? I mean, we can make fun of some people, we can't make some of others. That sounds like uh, kind of targeting and um, and singling people out and how we're going to handle and how we're going to how we're going to react to certain things. Bottom line is it's more fake outrage. So at one point she says something along the lines I'm paraphrasing that the White House Correspondent Association should have done more research about her in the sense of you shouldn't be surprised about what kind of a performance she was going to give. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know, maybe I'm projecting this, but I think sometimes they look at a a woman and they think, oh, she'll be nice. And if you've seen any of my comedy, you know that I don't, I'm not. (laughs) I don't pull punches. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about things. And, you know, I, I don't think they expected that from me. I think they still have preconceived notions of how women will present themselves and I uh, I don't fit in that box. I love it. I love it. Don't fit in that box. Don't even try to get inside of that box. That box is boring. That box is lame. That box is full of also-rans and thrown away boring trends. And you don't need to be in that, Michelle Wolf. Good for you. And the same goes for Matt Groening. The other, I've always called him Matt Groening. I don't know if that's the right way to say his name, but the guy who created The Simpsons. I ha- This is totally paraphrased as well. I don't have it in front of me. 
he basically said to the whole Apu thing with uh, Hank Azaria basically apologizing for doing that character for 25 years. I, you know, I don't really care. I don't really think this is a big deal. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And that is such an incredibly awesome response. And I like what Kathy Griffin has done going back on her apologies that she made a year ago when she basically ruined her career for a year. Now, I've never been a big Kathy Griffin fan. She's pretty annoying to totally honest with you but she did the whole picture with the head of of trump in her hand and it was it was pretty gross like i mean it was in poor taste it wasn't the high quality stuff but she did it and then she she got crazy backlash and and then got completely blacklisted from anything couldn't get booked for anything got fired from every job she had and for some reason now these days too in the last you know however many years five years three years it's you it doesn't matter what you do you're fired you got to get fired. You're fired. I want you fired. That's like what, no matter what it is you do that people don't like, they don't scream, uh, you know, fine them $100. You know, they, they don't scream uh, loss of driver's license privilege for uh, two months. They just, it's just fired. You're fired. If you do something that people find offensive and the fake outrage types don't like, they scream that you get fired. But so Kathy Griffin couldn't get work for a while. Well, because everybody's, attention spans are the size of a of, you know of a gnat that they forgot they don't even remember what Kathy Griffin did they don't even know who she is anymore and she's out now if I had the time and the and the resources to have that audio I'd love to have it she told somebody f that f him f Trump and I didn't I'm, I'm I take my apology back I only did that to play damage control because I didn't know what else to do I'm not sorry about that and I love that if you if you put a lot of effort into something and you feel like it's that that it is quality work whatever it is don't apologize for it. You can explain it if you'd like, but don't apologize for it. Matt Groening said, I don't know what you're all talking about. This is stupid. Kathy Griffin said, I'm not sorry about that. F Trump. And Michelle Wolf is saying, what did you expect? What do you look at? Stop being stupid. And I love that. I wish more people would do that. I talked about it a little bit last week. I, I, you don't like something I've done unless for some reason I just go completely off the rails and get so offensive it's ridiculous. Go pound sand, man. Jump off the bridge. I don't care what you think. Go away. I ain't worried about you. So that's a little bit of a breath of fresh air there to, to to not have to just see everybody cradle and everybody just give in to the the, the mob mentality and the fake outrage types. It's absolutely ridiculous. So it, it, if you don't show attention to people and you ignore them, they'll get bored because their attention spans are so bad that they'll, you know, they'll find something else. They'll go bark up a different tree. Just throw rocks at them down there. Get out of here. Care what you have to say. All right. That segment went a while. I'm going to get on out of here. And this is Courtney Barnett. Oh, my God. I love her so much. I cannot wait to see her Friday night, May 4th, at Shaky Knees. This song is called uh, Nameless, Faceless, I think. Or maybe Faceless, Nameless. Whatever. One of the lines in the songs, I could eat alphabet soup and spit out better words than you. She's absolutely incredible. That's basically the whole reason I'm going to Atlanta is to see Courtney. I am in love with this uh, woman, and if you have never listened to her music, do yourself a favor. It is very, very good, intellectually fused, great rock and roll, and uh, and you'll you will enjoy it. If you like me at all, or we have anything in common, you'll definitely dig it. I'm gonna get out of here. Coming up next, Tim Boyd and Brett Lambert. That feud is over that election is over the feud might not be over it might be going for a while and i'm going to give you some of the just a few highlights from my facebook page as i blew it up the last few days because i did not want tim boy to win that seat because he 
is uh, guilty of extortion, and he's a liar. But maybe Brett Lambert is too. I'm not sure. I'll get into that next on the Stone On Air podcast. This is a weekly dose for May 3rd, 2018, and I'll be right back. Done. So your explanation is interesting that we've entered we've entered the wild west in terms of of the way people push back, right? Yes, and I just wonder what does this mean going forward? Look, we already have heard that there are plenty of people who say it isn't worth trying to go into the public sector because of just how cutthroat right a confirmation process can be. But people didn't want to go through the vetting process. People feel as if their reputations, even if you even if you get confirmed your reputations in the dumper after all said and done. I mean, that's my fear is that if you're wondering why we have a bunch of, of, of idiots sometimes as members of Congress, it's because the good people are smart enough to realize yeah. they're not going to put themselves through this. No, it's uh, and, I mean, it never I just goes away. Like, now, let me get to the important stuff now. Who do you like in the NBA? <laughs> I want to be Alice Cooper, I want to be elected. That was Chuck Todd on with Tony Kornheiser on his podcast. And it's a very interesting point. When I was listening to it, I, I made a note to self. Go back to this time and pull that audio that... If you wonder why some of these Congress members and elected officials on any level, state, national, local, whatever, why they seem like idiots, because it's because the smart ones and the good ones don't don't get into this mess. They don't get into this throwing around extortion on phone calls because they got better things to do with their lives. They got better ways to make money. They have better ways of living a more enriched life than getting into this power struggle of a bunch of lunatics. There's that, there's that theory, and then there's my theory that not necessarily are these people stupid because I don't think that they are, especially on a higher level when you get into Congress and, and United States senators, those types. Those are generally speaking highly educated and often, uh, many times, more times than not, lawyers. And if you're a lawyer, you're not dumb, and you might not, you know, you might have views that I don't agree with or that somebody might not be down with, but you're not dumb. And I believe that they're, the electorate is so stupid and the constituents are so awful that these elected officials on the higher levels and on the lower levels, too, have to just be stupid because their, their constituents are so stupid. They have, to, uh, they have to dumb themselves and get down to that level. That's what everybody's doing. That's what Chuck Fleischman is the best at this, our, our third district congressional representative around here. This guy, this guy is just a parrot. I mean, he's just got a hand up his ass, and somebody's just walking around telling him what to do. His mouth moves. He doesn't know what he's saying. Somebody else is saying it for him. 
And he's not dumb. He's a very smart guy, highly educated. But most of the third district here in the state of Tennessee is a bunch of damn backwards buffoons. I mean, outside of Chattanooga and Hamilton County, uh, just about everywhere else, Polk and Grundy, well, that's not Grundy, Polk, uh, Bradley, it goes up kind of the uh, the east side. It's kind of uh, uh, vertical. And um, I don't remember how it doesn't get all the way to Knoxville, but it's uh, it, it's a bunch of podunk idiots. So you have to you have to identify with podunk idiots to get their vote. So yeah, the politicians aren't necessarily dumb. It's all the damn electorate and their, their their constituents that are dumb. So those are two different theories. I think they're both uh, have lots of truth to them. So the eighth district, Hamilton County Commission seat has been filled now. It was the primary, but it's uncontested. And Tim Boyd is going to have one more term. He says it's going to be his last. I have that audio of him saying that. I, I, I'd i love it if he goes back on that. In four years, I'll have something sitting here waiting to use on him. But I don't I don't like Tim, technically. I, I don't hate him, but I don't, I don't really like him either. And every now and again, there's people in your life that you just sometimes just looking for a reason to, to publicly say you dislike. Leslie Dale, uh, Joyce a while back, same deal. I didn't like either one of them in different portions of my life. And I was just looking for reasons to say, you know what, F you, you guys suck. And that's the same thing here is going on with Tim Boyd. I don't care who the Hamlet County Commissioner is. I mean, I, I guess in the, technically I do care, but I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. But when you're trying to extort somebody, uh, and then somebody, and you're so stupid that you do it on a phone that gets that gets tapped and recorded, I think you look like a fool. I think you look like a buffoon. And I'm going to make sure everybody knows about it. And I know Tim well, lived next door to him for 10 years. Yeah, we talked every now and again, but overall, he's a prick. He didn't like me, and I didn't like him. No big deal. And he's commissioner again. Fine, whatever. Brett Lambert, apparently, according to lots of people on social media, so it must be true, right? He's a crook. I don't know. I don't have any evidence to support that fact. But that's what I keep hearing. But so I, I floated out social media the last week. I spent some money on a promoted tweet, or excuse me, a promoted Facebook post through the official Stone On Air page and got about 5,000 views on that. I was really wanting to make some noise. I wish I started earlier. I got the idea kind of late in the game. And by the time I got to election day, I think everybody pretty much had their mind made up which way they were going. You know, same deal. You're going to excuse anybody. Your best friend does something dumb. You're going to excuse it because it's your best friend. If the guy you voted for does something stupid or does, you know, something that most people find reprehensible, yeah, you're going to excuse it. And that's how we work, especially now in this day and age of, you know, everybody just excuses every stupid asshole thing Trump does. Whatever. I, I'm not concerned with any of that. But I, so I throw this out here on my uh, two or three different posts over the last week. And this guy named Zane Rogers just loses his, his mind on all my posts. And it's juvenile and it's misspelled and it's name calling. And I, I was going to go screenshot all of it and read it back to you guys. And then the asshole deleted uh, half of it. And he deleted all the good stuff, uh, except for a couple that he forgot about. So I grabbed a few here just to give you a little bit of an idea where this thread was going. It went on and on and on. The, uh, the thread that didn't get deleted, it just said, For the dozens of you voting today, be sure and remember that Tim Boyd was indicted on extortion charges a couple weeks ago. Hashtag never forget. That was my post. That was it. Zane jumps in here and says, by the way, in Hamilton County, anyone can be indicted by a grand jury as it is only one side of the story. Anyone with basic legal knowledge knows that. Boyd is getting out of this will a jury of his peers and the fact info was already public. So you can kind of see where this guy's lack of cohesiveness goes. 
Uh, then it goes here again. The, the good stuff's been deleted. I don't have it anymore. So Kirk jumps in here and says, I voted against this sleaze bag. Talking about Tim Boyd. Kirk says, I've met him. He's a redneck asshole and speaks badly about my brother. Okay. Uh, let's see. He sucks as a commissioner. He's a right-wing scumbag. Zane Rogers jumps back in here and says, Kirk, eat a bag of dicks, loser. <laughs> Kirk then says, you're making my point, Zane. White trash loser, as is your candidate. And that's really the best that I have left that didn't get deleted. But it was just one name. It was just that eat a bag of dicks, loser. It was just that over and over again. It was really funny and stupid and uh, pathetically embarrassing all at the same time. So then comes in Dale. He says, he hasn't been convicted of anything, Brian. He's a good man, and he's been falsely accused. Hunter comes in and says, I couldn't care less who won, but you're obviously a douchebag, evidenced by the shitty beard and backwards hurly cap. I guess he's talking about Zane there. I don't know. This was after Boyd won on Tuesday. Uh, Congratulations, Mr. Boyd. I love this. My response was, yeah, extortion is fun. Jeanette says, I listened, and it is very, well, I said, have you listened to the phone calls and a little bit of boring back and forth? Let's see. It says, I listened, and it was very speculative. No need to continue this conversation, as it's obvious you don't know the heart of this man. How about you go meet him face-to-face? Get to know him before you judge him. It would be like me trashing you based on the same limited information. I would never do that. Of course, I live next door to the damn guy for a decade. You already know that. I responded, it is remarkable how little people pay attention to anything. I know the man very well. Take my Facebook challenge and stop responding to this post. I know you really want to, but just don't. We don't know each other and we don't care about each other. See if you can win the self-control award today. Walk away. Don't respond to this thread again. I have faith in you, Jeanette. I believe in you. Her very next response in less than a minute. I offer the same challenge to you. Shake my head, SMH. I responded very shortly after that. Jeanette, this is my thread. You failed. You lose. You let me down. I'm disappointed in you. And that was basically, there was a little bit more after that, but I did, I stopped responding. And then Jammer Scott at the tail end, who used to be a uh, talk radio host in this town and a damn fine one as well, said, Brian, 63% of us who voted spoke loud and clear. Boyd won decisively, and now Lambert will be toast in court. Then he can go back to cutting backroom deals in East Ridge, sir. And I don't know. Maybe the guy's awful. Maybe he is. I don't know. Clay Dennis jumps in at some point in all this when a bunch of the the name calling was flying all over the place, all the stuff that ended up getting deleted. Clay says, uh, and I think he owns Southern Hearth and Patio, if I remember right. He's an old talk radio listener. Says, uh, Kirk used the word asshole. Gene called him a moron, name calling and all that. I have no dog in the East Ridge election just following the conversation. Name calling is one of my pet peeves too. And this is him referring to me. Are you calling out all or just the ones that oppose? The next response I had was, Clay, if you have to ask me what my point has been, then you're not paying attention and you likely don't care anyway. Everything I do is archived. There is no need to ask me to clarify. My friend Michael McDay jumps on and talks about he's known Boyd for a long time and thinks he, although is a hothead, is overall a really good guy and thinks he should be the commissioner. I said, good to hear. I'm glad to, I'm, I'm glad to have a real mature response that, has, that adds to the conversation. Dale jumps in and says, 
to me, Brian, you have no idea what you're talking about. Tim Boyd is a good man, and all of your lies will come back on you. Brian has no idea what he's talking about. All right, whatever, dude. Uh, Josh Jenkins says, it's all on videotape, ding dong. <laughs> Dale comes back and says, the court of public opinion isn't the final say, boys. Let's see what the investigation reveals before you convict and hang him in your little court. I respond, I said, he's on tape trying to extort another person. Extortion is illegal. And once again, I know this man, and he has plenty of good qualities. But what he did is a crime. I followed up a little bit later after a couple more back and forth. I said, is Tim Boyd a quality human being? Is not the discussion on anything I've posted. Has Tim Boyd committed a crime? The answer is yes. And that's what my talking points have been from the beginning. And that's pretty much the end of that. I wish I screenshotted that stuff before it uh, it got deleted. Let's see, is there anything else? No, I already got all that stuff. Before it got uh, deleted, because it was so, so stupid. And um, I don't know. Dumb assholes are going to be dumb assholes. Coming up next, I have got a segment that started with me thinking about the no regrets type people. And then after a conversation I had with somebody, and then another understanding I had with somebody else, and then also some deep thinking I've had uh, this qu first quarter of the year. It, and why do I do this show? What is this show for? Why do I do this? Um, I'm going to get kind of in a roundabout way to all of that in the third segment of the show. But an off script, no bullet point, ramble of a segment is coming up next. This is the War on Drugs, live in Seattle at KEXP. They'll be at Shaky Knees Saturday night in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, it is the ultimate sit back and smoke weed and just sway to that shit kind of music. I, lo I love it so much. We'll listen for a minute. song is called Pain from A Deeper Understanding which won a Grammy for Best Rock Album which I was shocked to see because this is basically what they sound like this is about as rock as they get so good so good it's one of those kinds of songs that has no structure like it's not Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, out. Like your typical thing. It's it's just this long, flowing song. It just keeps going and going and going. It's so great. And 
that's live too. That sounds so good live. And the 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 one drawback to this band is is every song sounds the same. Every song sounds a lot like that. But that sounds so good, I'm cool with that. So anyway, welcome back to the show. A rare four segment show, and anybody who is asking for a longer show, which I have gotten surprisingly several uh, requests for that. And I find it the ultimate uh, compliment, uh, flatter beyond belief, that sometimes I sit here and think, why would somebody want to listen to 50 minutes or 45 minutes or 60 minutes of me just blabbing into a microphone, playing some audio clips and just screwing around in my man cave at the house, which, to be honest with you, my entire house is a man cave, but you get my point. Why would anybody want to do that? So last weekend, this kind of goes back to my conversation with Ernie Dempsey. I'm telling you, you guys should, uh, especially if you're a reader, I don't really read all that much. I'd like uh, audio, like to listen to things. I would love to listen to more books. It's something I've looked into doing more of. Reading, just my brain, it doesn't, it doesn't comprehend as well. My, my scattered brain, it doesn't process information the same way as listening. Listening, I totally get entrenched. Right, and I, I totally I soak it all in. I love listening, reading. It doesn't soak in, and I get bored with it really quick. And I can't process the information emotionally like I can when I hear things. But if you are a reader, uh, Ernie Dempsey has a whole line of books that are making him a ton of money. He's a superstar right now, and I would suggest checking that out. But so this is coming back from uh, a little bit more from what I was talking about in my conversation with him last week, and he listened to the podcast and just really was glowing about how much he enjoyed it, which meant a lot to me. And I said to him, this is all paraphrased, but through a text that really it's kind of bold, you know, maybe foolish that this podcast is just about my life. Like this, this, that's what this show is. It's about my life. And it might be a little foolish to think that there's going to be enough people that I can keep on board that want to listen to just, just about me. And that's not entirely true. Obviously I bring in, current events and topics and things and opinions on things but in the end it is kind of just a chronicle of what I do and how I do things and 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 how it fits into everything and his response back to that was something in the neighborhood of I actually absolutely love that concept and when he said that it made me even think more okay well if he did, if he thinks it's a good idea then it must at least be close to a good idea so that's just kind of a, a brief thought on what this show is about and what more specifically closer to a segment like this we often see people on social media talk about or in real life on you know in life or on tv or wherever no regrets live without regrets hashtag no regrets and i think it's one of the most foolish immature ridiculous absurd things that somebody could say or some kind of motto or mantra which to live by no regrets i don't get through a day before i have regretted a decision that I've made. I am a terribly flawed human being. And I think that's true for most of us. I uh, I don't know. You know, you can stack us up on a, a list of 350 million people and order us one to 350 million of who's the best and who's the worst. I don't know. But I think we all experience that. But this idea of living with no regrets is uh, is is really foolish. And for whatever reason, 
between talking with Ernie the other week, I mean, I almost sound like an emotional basket case here. I'm almost like a Seventh-day Adventist or something, and I'm, my life's like changing all of a sudden in like a two-week stretch. But put together with that that I saw someone talk about, don't I don't regret anything. And then um, talking to Ernie, and then some thoughts I already had, you know, kind of not overly heavy, but just things in life. I don't mean to be too cryptic on some of this, but it will be a little bit because I don't really know what I mean on a lot of it. But then it comes back to this conversation I had the other day at the tag and title office on Bonnie Oaks. Friend of mine that I went to high school with, I'm not going to give anybody's names here, but uh, I've known her for, I mean, we were children. I mean, I've known her for 20, 25 years and uh, been fr- we're never great friends with her, but good enough. And she's worked there for a long time, and I, she had a minute, and I had a minute, and we were talking for a few. And about the, it's our 20-year reunion at, for her high school class of 98. And so that goes to that conversation a little bit. And then she says, man, you'll never believe who just I just uh, came in and, and had an interaction with. And then she told me, and it was somebody who we're mutual friends with growing up in high school but haven't seen in 20 years. And it just so happens that this guy – is a regular listener and has hit me up several times on social media to say he enjoys the show and that he would like to talk about doing some like some real advertising, get some dollars and cents moving around stuff in the last, I don't know, six months or so. And I thought, damn, really? And like he had just, I just missed him. He's like, hey, it was like 20 minutes ago. It's like, I'd love to run into him and talk to him. And so this is a little bit of small talk in this, but overall it's, it's quality small talk. And she says something about, he says to her something about her um, how how she feeling now that she's this how long has it been since she's been in remission or something like that, and I, I that kind of blew over my head and I mi- I kind of missed it, and then she said yeah and then he's you know he said that he had been battling and he had been two years removed from uh, I can't remember the wording and I said like, whoa hold on back up slow down first of all we'll come back to him what did you say what what did you, what have you had to deal with. She had awful life-threatening breast cancer. She's six years removed from that. And all the terminology that goes with that, she told me just a little. And, and it, it, it was, I had no idea. No damn idea. She's my age. We're all 38 years old here. She's six years removed from this. And I thought, holy hell, really? Okay, so I'm processing that. So our mutual friend from high school, what's the situation there? Well, apparently he's two years removed from cancer himself. And I'm just... I'm just blown away by this information. Once again, I had no idea. And she tells me just a little that he went into the doctor because he felt bad for a prolonged period of time a few years ago. And when he got there, he was told, your surgery is in the morning or you might die. And he had the surgery the next day. No time to think about it. And, you know, however many years later now, it seems to be doing fine, doing good enough anyway. And it just got me thinking how does this happen? Like you hear about somebody saying, oh yeah, yeah, someone got cancer. Yeah, yeah, you know, they died or someone got cancer. Yeah, they got over, they, they beat it. Oh, okay, cool. Anyway, who's throwing for the Braves tonight? What we got? We got the Mets tonight? You know, I mean, it's not something you really spend much time thinking about. But when you stand in front of somebody you've known since you were children and then you talk about somebody else who's had a similar situation, a terrifyingly scary situation that you've also known since you were children, it really, you know, will kind of knock you over. Like, I mean, it'll make you sit down and think, what, how, oh my God, that is awful. And things that I've already been thinking about myself as I've aged, I mean, I'm 38 years old as of, you know, April, 
And I know the 48-year-old saying, shut up, dude. You're not old. Quit it. I get it. I get it, all right? I mean, I'm, I'm not 48 yet, so I don't know what that's like. But every second that goes by, I'm now older than I was one second ago. So I know all of 38 years, and I start to kind of look back, and, and, and most of this year I've been thinking about, by this time in 2019, I need to have a lot of things in my life different. I need to change some things. This is where it gets a little cryptic. I, I don't know what I mean by that yet. But I sometimes sit around wonder, why am I doing anything? What am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Why do I do everything I do on Monday? Why do I do everything I do on Friday? What, what, am I, what is my goals here? Because living like I'm in my mid-20s into my mid-30s is fine, but living like I'm in my mid-30s into my mid-40s means I've been doing the same thing for 20 years, and that's not okay. So there are a lot of things that I need to be changing in my overall uh, habits and behavior between now and by the time I get into my 40s. And, I, and, and I'm not foolish enough. Like, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. The dumbest idea ever. You're going to fail. It's such a stupid concept. Don't do it. You're never going to just change something the next day. You have to gradually change lifestyles and procedures of how you do things and habits. And so I've been thinking about this a lot. And when I had that conversation, it just made me think about it even more. And it's been on my mind every day. Since that conversation earlier in the, the, I guess it was the last couple days of April. And I just started thinking about the way I live and the genetic makeup that I've been blessed with and, and how horribly I've treated myself, my body, my mind, my spirit, everything for, for 20 years, I have had no concern for anything of, of, of the well-being of my, of, of my person. And it's, from, from drowning myself in booze and, and drugs and, you know, constant partying and, you know, one-night flings and one-nighters here and there. It's not like that's a big thing in my life anymore, but it, it certainly was more at one point. You know, years of cigarette smoking and awful diet and poisonous foods and poisonous drinks and back in the day tanning beds, uh, just things that leave you susceptible to, to having Awful things happen to you in your life. You know, like the cause and effect thing, you do this and then that happens. Like I'm doing things in my life for 15 to 20 years that should result in some kind of consequences like jail time or diseases or um, loss of property or loss of job or loss of hearing and sensations and I don't know, something. And I never lose anything or at least I don't lose much. I climb out of the gutter smelling like a damn rose. And I do it all over again. And then I hear about two people I've known since I was a child who have gone through life-threatening diseases. Two people that appear appear to live what we would consider somewhat normal lives. I don't mean that in any kind of negative way. I just mean in the sense of the blueprint of how you need to do things to be successful, whether being a mother and a family or a businessman or whatever it is. People that tend to seemingly at least somewhat follow the rules and then they get their lives threatened in their mid thirties or early thirties. What the hell, man? How does that happen? How does my body still wake up every day and function when I do whatever the hell it is I want, whenever I want to do it, And I'm about, I'm not going to continue doing it. Like I still do. I'm, I've slowed it way down. I mean, I've slowed it way, way down from where I used to be, but I've never had a care or concern for anything that mattered. In my immature years of around 18 years old until about 32. 
and that was just six years ago, and that's been a slow transition because I'm still a damn moron. I still do stupid-ass things all the time. What an unfair, cruel, weird world we live in. What a weird life this is. And I can use that as an example of an argument on whichever argument I felt like making as to whether there is a God or whether there isn't, or whether the practice of religion is important or whether the practice of it is foolish. Like I can, I can come up with a, a pretty good layman's argument for either one of those situations based on all that information I just gave you, which I'm not doing. That's not what this segment is about, but it's just, I just, it's just been deep thinking, man, deep thinking uh, here recently and between now and the spring of next year, I, I intend to have things different than they are now. I'll tell you more about it as it gets closer. I'm not trying to be cryptic or coy or suspenseful here. But it's just been a lot of my mind. I mean, April was an incredible month. It was one for the record books. It was so much fun. I, am al- I feel alive in April. I mean, we all do. It's a spring. It's not just me. But I've just got a lot of things that are very sentimental to me in that month and uh, lots of memories from that month and then after having some great conversations and then it just got me thinking man what the hell are you doing and i and a lot of times that's just what the, the, the main question is it's kind of the the standard just stored away question that i ask myself every now and again when i can't figure out what the hell it is going on around me i just look at myself in the mirror or you know figuratively and say um what the hell is it you're doing what are you doing here I did that recently with the friend that was a girl as I continued to try to chase that. And I one day kind of realized, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. What are you doing here? And that's kind of just what I've been talking to myself about here recently. So I'll put the wraps on the segment there. Again, a off script, no bullet points, ramble of 16 minutes. I appreciate you guys still being here. And uh, if you're diseased and, and free and healthy and living the, living the life you want, I, I say more power to you, and I am so happy for you. And if you're not, and if you have issues and you have problems, I wish you the best. Uh, we all have our problems. We all have our issues. And life just seems to be really, really damn unfair. And then every now and again, you turn around, and life just seems to be incredible. And then it seems to be awful, and then it seems to be incredible again. I think I'm starting to value it just a little bit more. I'm going to step out. Coming up next, it was quite a fun Saturday afternoon with a studio audience with Atlantic recording artist Anderson East. I'll get to that conversation coming up next on the Stone on Air podcast. Back to more Stone on Air. Should be good. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> good timing, though. Put your phone on silent, or you're, <laughs> or you're, you're out of here. I have a new phone. I do too.
<laughs> wow. I, get, I, I mean, I don't. Maybe I don't know. Has anybody ever tried to jump on your back, Anderson East? I, I'm sure they have. Literally and figuratively. Oh, definitely figuratively. <laughs> This is the uh, Stone On Air podcast and Alt 98.7. My name is Brian Stone. We have a room full. We have an audience here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for being here on uh, on a Saturday. This is April 28th when we're recording this. My guest is Anderson East. Anderson, very cool for you to take some time and uh, come hang out with us and uh, some of your fans and fans of the station and, yeah. and of the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks for having me. First thing I wanted to touch on is uh, you're an MTSU guy. Yeah, I uh, I call it my alma mater. Although I never went to one class, uh, when we all got out okay. of high school, when, when we all got out of high school, all my friends, we were all we played. We were in garage bands, and everybody wanted to go to the recording industry right. uh, major, the program. And so I just moved on up there with them. Lived over right across from the Murphy Street, uh, the Murphy Center on mm-hmm. Division Street. Over right, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and just hung out, and worked, and uh, they all went to school. I worked, had all the money. Partied like I was in college. <laughs> Twenty years later, I'm a broke ass on the radio. So I, I don't know if it was a good idea or not. Well, I mean, it sounds like you uh, you succeeded there. <laughs> it depends on how you s- describe success. Yeah. So what, when you were at school there, what what years was that roughly? That was around 2005. So was the, is the the borough still the place? Was the borough where where everybody went to play, and or was there is there different places up there now for singers songwriters? I know that when when I was there, it was the place called. Five two seven. Okay. And there was another. It was like spring, spring water before that. So you went. Does that was that what it was called? Wall Street. Oh yeah, Wall Street. Okay, uh, Wall Street. I remember that one. Anyway, enough reminiscing about my <laughs> fake college days and 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 your real college days. You're kind of in. I hope you don't take this by anything other than a, an ultimate compliment. You're kind of in a what I would call a kind of a genre no man's land. I mean, you've got, there's rock and roll there. There's a little country there. There's blues, Americana. There's even a little funk with mm. your horns and, and keys and all that. But you're not one of just one of those things. You probably don't even think about it, but what what would you classify your music as? I just tend to lean, lean, lean on that it's uh, good music, hopefully. <laughs> that's, it. Um, that's simply put, yeah, good music. But You know, I think there is a lot of those... Uh, those aspects in it but i think ultimately it's just kind of you know southern american music tell me about meeting dave cobb he's uh becoming quickly known as one of the more well-known producers in in nashville but certainly in the southeast i I read a little on that is that a uh a happenstance thing were they scouting you out how 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 did uh, your your past cross with with dave cobb we have a mutual friend kristen rogers who she does like all the background vocals on on a lot of my records and uh she's just incredible and we were playing a show together at the bluebird one night and so i, I hadn't i hadn't met him before but uh i had a, a bit too much to drink and <laughs> okay the uh, story of my life yeah then the, the you know the whenever you you fill the tank you have to empty the tank sure. at some point so i i just i stopped the show and got up and went to the restroom and came back and uh, apparently that that was enough to make an impression on. I could say that him. could be a bad impression uh, depending know, on who you it, ask. You know, it, it seemed to work. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's it's all about timing, man. Yeah, no, it, it it's all is. About timing. Um, Dave Cobb, for those that don't know, is uh, Sturgill Simpson. He produces music for Jason Isbell, um, Chris Stapleton, some pretty heavyweights these days mm-hmm. in yeah. uh, the Americana roots, country, rock and roll uh, genre. Um, I know that Jason Isbell can make good music without Dave Cobb because I've heard it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Chris Stapleton and Sturgill Simpson can as well. Mm-hmm. What is it about what Dave does that you guys bring him in to, to make you – I don't know if I want to say make you better, but to, what, what, is it, what is it that he does that he provides that makes such a difference? I think with him it, it's a – he's able to see like that special part of people and kind of attack that one area. And he also – like I. I think just knowing when to stop is a big uh, save you from yourself at times. Yeah, or just like letting the ugly part still show up on the records because, like, I don't know. I think with with everyone that you mentioned, it's just very human sounding records, and there's not a lot of uh, you know makeup on the pig. If I read right, he he likes to do a lot of the live to tape kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Less tracking and more just let it rip. Yeah, it's it's all right there on the floor, and um, you know, from with myself, you know, it's one or two takes. It's it's very fast, and it's you just get in there with the rough idea of what the song is, and then it comes out and just a few times, and then there it is. Well, the show here in Chattanooga at Songbirds on the twenty eighth. By the time you hear this, uh, that show will have come and gone, but. You have a uh, long, lengthy tour this whole year. I'll get to more of that in a minute. So the, the show is sold out here in Songbirds, and I remember the turn of the calendar of the year that your album Encore was coming out, which I want to touch on in a minute as well, uh, but also that your tour dates were, were dropping, and your Nashville shows, I, was it uh, Third and Lindsley? Was that where you were? Yeah, we did or, two nights. Yeah, there. sold out quickly, and I had mentioned on the air and on the, the podcast that this, this show likely would as well. It didn't sell out super fast, but it did eventually. Playing in Nashville, I see you got a Ryman show coming up later on this year. It's got to be pretty uh, exciting for you. But what are some of your favorite uh, small rooms? Um, my favorite's the basement, the, the OG basement. The original basement yeah. Yeah, that you can get about... 25 people in there maybe you, you could probably squeeze 60 60 people maybe but i still i think that's uh you know that's where we kind of came up playing yeah below and, grimy's right yeah the, the record store yeah, underneath the record store and i mean our front of house engineer we stole him because he was the guy that mixed all the bands we were in and but yeah that's got and i hear that it's uh going away they're what they're, they're selling that building what yeah. No. The record store and everything. You heard it here first. <laughs> Maybe not here first, right, well, but somewhere. Really? Yeah, it's hurtful. Boy, they gonna build a damn condo or something, probably, I'm sure. or a barbecue joint, or a yeah. hot chicken joint, just like you need another slice of uh, hot chicken. I know it, man. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. Damn it! <laughs> I wasn't expecting this kind of news today. <laughs> Sorry to break your heart. I'm <laughs> uh, talking about your uh, your albums. Your first uh, major label was Delia in, uh, in in 15, and you told the Nashville scene that songs in Delia are snapshots of longing rather than heartbreak. Storytelling with quote peppered truth throughout it. Between not any album you're doing or any time when you're writing music, I always I find this interesting. I, I talk to a lot of regional touring acts and a lot of local acts so many of these people have their second gig this is kind of their side hustle Mm -hmm. and so that approach is completely different this is your gig you know this Mm -hmm. is writing music touring recording uh, performing this is your gig how when you when you're writing music is it is it ever become like a job like we need something by next week or you know you're working on deadlines or is this something that's just constant i tell people in in my line of work every day of my life is my show Mm -hmm. prep like Mm-hmm. If I've got something coming up, I've been working on talking to you for the last two weeks. How does that work for you is when to put together a song? Is it today's by Tuesday I'm finishing a song or is it that is it is it more organic than that? Um there's there's a mix. Um there's the Nashville like way of writing. 
to where it's kind of appointment based and you go to the office and you clock in and do today's the day you work on this yeah you know and and then you go to lunch and you come back and do it again uh and i've got a lot of yeah i've got a lot of friends that you know write two or three songs a day every day and so i you know i came up with that and then from there you learn the you know just the craft of of writing but with me like i'll you know make schedule of like yeah i'll write with rat and natalie two weeks from now but we'll get there and just drink a bunch of tequila and (laughs) have a good time i used to do a lot of tv and film stuff that was like very specific yeah um for you know they want gender neutral love song mid-tempo you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I got to get it to him by this afternoon. Did so, you, did you study anything in TSU that, that was curriculum for things like that? Cause I know there are classes like songwriting, uh, or is that just something you've learned being in the business? I think it's just kind of, you learn it out of necessity. Yeah. And if you're hungry enough, you'll, <laughs> you'll write anything. You said, uh, speaking of writing anything, you said something about, uh, or, or I was reading something about, I can't remember which one, the, the newest Fifty Shades uh, movie is, the darker or whichever mm-hmm. one, I don't know. You have a song on that soundtrack, which mm-hmm. was which was huge right when it was released. Is that something they plucked that you already had, or was that something they said, hey, Anderson, and I think you had a co-writer, you guys go write a song for this movie? Yeah, that one was, uh, actually, we recorded it for Delilah. Uh, and it just didn't make the record. And okay, so, so like a B-side uh, yeah, throwaway. Yeah, and I don't know how they, they got a hold of it, but they did. So so that wasn't, hey, we've got this uh, crazy sex movie. Uh, can you write a crazy <laughs> sexy song? <laughs> no, unfortunately. But if, but if they asked, you might have been able to I, do I, it. I make could deliver. So Fingers on, crossed. <laughs> so Encore is the, uh, the, the latest. Uh, I've, I've skimmed uh, both of them, um, a couple spins barely each. So I, I haven't been able to quite pinpoint what the differences are. What would you say the difference between three years of uh, two different records from July to Encore, which was released, I think, in February of this year? January. January. I think, you know, there's definitely a different sonic approach to it. And, you know, it's just two different people from from that time to, to now or to whenever that was. You know, I think that's kind of how every record is. It's just a glimpse of, you know, somebody during that time and, and now that time's passed as well. So. Sure. I didn't get quite to the point I wanted to make with the uh, peppered with truth uh, quote from the Nashville scene. How much of your uh, writing is storytelling and how much of it is uh, biographical, if you will? I, or is it is, is it a combination? I'm sure it's a combination of the two. But Yeah, there's, um, you know, there's always heavy embellishments, but there's, again, there is peppered truth through, throughout it. So it's not a true story. It's just based on a on a true story. Maybe, to, and then there's you know you change some names here and there. Or yeah, you leave some the same. And so you got you are a uh, you're a damn road warrior this year. I yeah. mean, you're off. Uh, this is your last uh, stop on this little mini you know short portion of the leg, and then you're back uh, at it next week. Uh, Mount Joy opening up for you tonight. I'm looking forward uh, to to them. We got them in our playlist as well, and then you got. Um, Jay Bird going to be on with you here yeah. shortly. She's she, she's she's killer. Yeah, she's fantastic. And uh, and then so we got stops at Hangout. You got the. Have you ever played the Ryman before? No, I played uh, the, the Mother Church. I played the Opry. I used to play guitar for this girl named Holly Williams, and and we played the Opry there one time. But that's it. This damn microphone is about to get thrown out the damn window. Um, <laughs> And so where else we got uh, Lollapalooza, Mountain Jam. You got Hangout here shortly, and then a month in the UK. Yeah, that's. Uh, have you ever been on that side of the world? Yeah, we go about three times a year. Oh wow! Okay, like cool. We, I, we've already been over once 
this year. Well, a month in the U.K. Uh, in June, in the middle of summer, sounds like quite the time. Anderson East, I certainly appreciate you stopping by. This is Alt 98.7. It's a Stone on Air podcast. Got a uh, room full of lovely ladies. Thank you so much for being here. You guys are awesome. <laughs> on the, uh, the, the meet and greet here before the show over at the Songbird South, formerly the Revelry Room. And uh, once again, Anderson, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And that is the end of the show. I appreciate you guys finding the show each and every week for the emails and the text messaging and the uh, social media interaction. I appreciate all that as well at Stone On Air on all of those platforms. There is a very real possibility while you are listening to this podcast, I am in Atlanta at the Shaking East Festival, and I am looking very much forward to it. I want to thank Anderson East for being involved with the show. I want to thank Danny Howard from Bay Hackle Communications here locally, who allows me to cross-promote the radio show and the podcast. Uh, Bernie, Chuck, Brad, everybody over at Bay Hackle, Hits 96, Sunny 92.3, Alt 98.7, and uh, Q uh, Country uh, legend or sorry whatever the hell whatever that station is i'm sorry i forgot uh thanks to all, all of them they're a great place to work they're great employers they're great co-workers and uh maybe see you at the running of the chihuahuas because i am going to be back and forth between atlanta and chattanooga this weekend y'all take care of yourselves we'll do it again next thursday white lives matter black lives matter all lies matter so don't be a liar liar pants on fire type And we'll all get along just fine. I got to fly. See you. Bye. We'll do it again next week.